This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is a Saturday morning. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Happy Saturday morning to you, trying to get you up and moving for the day. Can you believe we are just less than a week away from Thanksgiving? That is insane. Last time I remembered, we were just getting locked down in the springtime because, you know, COVID was so bad. <laughs> Welcome into the show. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we would love to hear from you today. I do want to talk about some big news that's happened all over the week, nationally, locally here. We have the Kansas Department of Health and Environment Secretary Lee Norman stepping away. What? We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Plus, I want to get your thoughts on the Kyle Rittenhouse case that happened throughout the week as well. That was at, drugged on a little bit longer than what I think necessary, but came out not guilty on all charges for Kyle Rittenhouse. And good news, I think, for Kyle and for the Second Amendment and individuals who promote the idea of self-defense using a firearm. We'll get to all that and more coming up on the program. Hour number two, we have Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. We'll talk with him for the second hour, talking about some stuff going on in the county. And we'll have some fun as well going into the... We're going to try and keep it somewhat light today because you're already in kind of holiday mode. Most people are probably starting to cook the turkey and get that all ready to go. Most people are going to like skimp out on work over the next week. So we'll do that as well uh, and talk about some of the traditional fun things that you can do for Thanksgiving. So there's a lot we want to cover and I want to hear from you as well. 316-721-8255. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue for buying, selling, and trading for all your gold and silver needs with honesty and integrity, they're opening up in about 20 minutes from now. It's Phil's Coins and philscoins.com. And, of course, we got to get him back in here, the man himself, Phil Martinez. Phil, how are you, sir? Just fine, sir. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you. It's, uh, it's, I can't believe this year has flown by faster than I think I remember any other year. And I don't know if it's because we slowed down last year with COVID and now things are picking up again and we're just not used to it. Or if things are just going faster, I have no clue. But this is scary. They tell me as you get older, it goes by faster. So we must be getting older. (laughs) We must be getting older. Older, Things seem to be going into a blur. Uh, You guys with uh, with Phil's Coins, I know you guys around this time start selling even gift cards for people, don't you? For uh, for gold and silver, you getting a lot of that traffic coming in? Yeah, most of the gift cards we sell though are for people that want to buy coins that aren't sure what they want to buy them. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, do they collect Morgan dollars? Do they collect Indian head pennies? Do they collect mercury dimes? So a lot gotcha. of times that's what it is. Most of the time, if they're going to buy a bullion for somebody, they they come in and buy it buy it directly for them and give them bullion. Sure. Uh, do they? Do you get some of the more fun stuff coming in now at times? I guess with maybe the stocking stuffers, maybe some of the ancient coins and some of the like you said, some of the oddball things that you normally don't see. It's, it's one of those things that comes in when it comes in. Okay. You know, I mean, I bought whenever a, you get yeah, it. Yeah, we bought a book of Ike dollars the other day, and and uh, it was a good looking set, but it still needed some touch ups. So we went through, broke it all down, touched it all up, put it all back in the book, and made it look nicer. Sure. And uh, I thought, well, that's something that'll sit on the counter for. Oh, I'll probably take about ninety days to sell it. If I can sell it in ninety days, be, would be a good deal. And and uh, he put it put it together, put it out in the case. And, Ten minutes later, it was gone. So Interesting. that's kind of how things are right now. People come in the other day and wanted uh, there was a misunderstanding of what they saw on our website and what they thought well thought we ought to be selling Silver Eagles for. So they left, and then 
Like the next day they came back and wanted to know if there was any silver bars that we had the day before. And we said, no, they're all sold and gone. Mm-hmm. So then they came back yesterday for the third time and actually, and actually purchased some silver. Sure. So, I mean, they're finding that, you know, I'm sure that they went to everybody in Wichita and was, didn't take them long to figure out there isn't anything in Wichita. Yeah. We are, we are the premier I was going to say, in Kansas. yeah, you guys are still, you have more inventory than any other place in the state. I would say in the Mid-America region, I'd, I'd even compare that with maybe Nebraska, Oklahoma as well. Uh, I talked to my supplier the other day and said something about, you know, we were the top bullion supplier in Kansas. And he informed me that that was being, that was being conservative, that we, 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 <laughs> hold, we hold our own. They're a big bullion place countrywide, and we're about 20% of their business. So he says yeah. we are. We're crazy. Now, were you able to ship coins across country if someone from you know, California called you up and say, "Hey, I need to get some silver. Sure. Um, you know, can you ship that stuff to me?" Yeah, I got a guy. I got a. I got a customer. We ship stuff too, and he's out of Ank, New Jersey. Really? Yeah, we ship. Well, we ship all over the country. All over the country. Yeah. So you're not just a local guy, you man. You you cover everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I had a guy come in the other day, and he goes, "Man, he says, I buy my bullion here," and I said, "Well, we try to be competitive," and he goes. Be honest with you, you're as good as anybody in the country. He wow. said, I've gone out and looked all over and looked all over and looked all over. And he says, you know, he says, maybe I can beat your price by 10 cents or a quarter. And he says, but then when you call them, they don't have it. Right. They're, they're, they're completely out. I mean, you know, the, the other day, I mean, we had almost $900,000 worth of stuff on order. Wow. And, and uh, I got in a big, I got in three big shipments of silver and I got in a bunch of gold the other day. Right now, we got it down to probably maybe only half a million dollars on order. But uh, the fat, almost as fast as it's coming in, we're ordering it. So it's, it's, it's crazy. But we next week, we should get in 15,000 ounces next week. Holy cow. With the inflation rates, and we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago last time you came in here. The inflation rates obviously driving the market up a little bit. We've seen... Uh, kind of an increase on it's really the stock market all across the board overall. But gold and silver, are they staying at least somewhat reasonable right now, or are they just kind of out there because of such a high demand plus the inflation on top of it? Right now, you know, you I don't know that you're seeing any inflation because the premiums haven't changed. I mean, they were up at ridiculous numbers at one time. We were paying, you know, 4 or $5 over spot for silver rounds. Sure. And that's... I've only seen that once before, so you know. But it's it, it's come back. It's come back down into what I would call semi reasonable limits. And I don't know that. Uh, I mean, you know, years ago you could buy. I could buy wholesale for twenty five cents over spot, and then it got up to this three and four and five dollar over spot, and it came back down to seventy five cents, and then it went right, and then it's back up to four or five four dollars and fifty cents over spot, five dollars over spot. Uh, it's come down, but I don't know that you're ever going to see, you know, I think the, the big boys that have got it to produce all this, I think you're, you're going to see my cost at a bare minimum, a buck and a half over spot. Interesting. So, and that, and that's just for the fact that you can't get it. Sure. It's just the lack of inventory right yeah, now. Yeah, we buy, we buy so much, we buy so much silver. My supplier is starting to have it drop shipped directly from the foundry to us <laughs> in five thousand count in five thousand ounce lots. You're just cutting out the middleman. You're just going. Directly oh no no! I'm it. still paying the guy in the middle. That be, but <laughs> but it doesn't make sense to ship it clear to Texas and then have him and then have them you. have to bundle it up and pay and, and pay to have it shipped and ship it to Kansas yeah. when they can have it shipped from wherever it is directly to us. Sure. 
And uh, so, um, are you able to go directly and so, don't even worry about the middleman guy? Just go directly to the source of them, you know, digging it right out of the ground and shipping it right to you. Yeah, we've actually talked about going to the foundry, but for what we, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a minimum of how much you have to buy. And right now, we would probably be buying that minimum and could probably get there. And matter of fact, my supplier the other day said it might be simpler if he just cut himself out of the loop. And told me where to go get it. Wow! And he said, because he said wow. they can ship you five, ten thousand ounces at a time, and he says I'm having trouble keeping up with you. I mean, this guy's a pretty good sized guy, and we're twenty percent of his business. Wow! I mean, we, we 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 call we call him literally every day. I good do inventory golly. every day. Some days twice a day. Sure. I mean, you know, when you're selling, sometimes you're selling twenty five hundred ounces a day. You know, you're sitting there going. Where am I at? Did I order it back? Did I, you know, because you've got, you know, you've you know, somebody come in the other day about 500 ounces, hadn't even got out the door yet, and I'd order ordered it back in. Yeah. Because if you don't order back in, then you forget about it. I mean, I thought I was on top of things. I I had everything going where I was set. I had exactly what I wanted to have in inventory. I had no pluses. I had no minuses. And I did inventory yesterday, and I only had to order 1,500 ounces yesterday to catch up. <laughs> so we're, we're selling so fast we can't even get it wrote down. I'm trying to just grasp and just put in perspective how much silver, just just silver alone, you guys sell in a year's time, and just how much is just like trickling out there in society with people putting in their safety deposit boxes and the, under their mattress, you know, in their, you know, whatever. Just how much silver is actually out there that's actually gone out your door? That's insane to think about. I'm guessing somewhere between somewhere around five million dollars a year. Wow. I mean, we come in. It's you know, average day in the shop, a slow day in the shop is forty thousand dollars. Sure. A day. A day. So, in, you know, that's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's five days. That's 200,000. That's 200,000. That's 800,000 a month. Sure. 12 months. Woo. It builds up. I mean, I mean, 5,000 may be, may be a very conservative number, <laughs> but I mean, but in, in, in gold, we can't keep gold in stock. We're the gold, only, too. It's taken. taken yeah, off we're there the too. only, we're the only one. Nobody, we, I carry more silver and gold than all the coin shops in Kansas put together, and I can't keep up. The other day, I, the other day we keep twenty six thousand ounces of silver in stock, and the other day I had twenty seven thousand five hundred ounces on order, and I actually had and I actually had to loan the company fifteen hundred ounces of my own personal silver. So you got the new just shipment. So, and we were down to four hundred ounces the other day, oh. just to, just to have something for the people to come in and get. Yeah. It, it it is it is crazy, and you know, we thought we thought we was carrying ten thousand ounces. That was that was the ultimate. We'd never have to carry more of that. And we're carrying twenty six thousand. We can't keep up. I have been making fun of the government and the media for all this panic buying that's been going on in the supply chain because supply chain issues, so on and so forth. I'm not trying to do a panic buy urgency <laughs> right now, but. This sounds like that if people want to get any type of gold or silver going into the holidays, they should probably get in there relatively soon and chat with you. Well, you know, it's I, I had I had a guy come in the, uh, about two weeks ago. Comes walking in the door and he looks at me, looks at one of my people, and goes, "Have you guys got any silver?" And he goes, "Yo, really? I want to buy a lot of silver." Well, how much is a lot of silver? Five thousand dollars worth. And one of the guys goes. Well, that's not a lot. That's just a drop in the bucket for what we sell in here. And he goes, don't tell me you actually have $5,000 worth of silver in stock. And he goes, sure. Yeah. And he goes, I've been looking for silver in Wichita for 90 days. Wow. I've been everywhere there is in Wichita. I've looked and looked and looked. 
And how I missed you, I don't know, but I did. And he says, and somebody goes, well, you ought to go see Phil. And so he comes in, and he, so he bought $5,000 worth of silver. And he's on the, and he, got, he gets his cell phone out, and I don't remember what the guy's name is. I'm going to make one up, to be honest with you. I'm going to make it up. Bob, this is so-and-so. I found silver at Phil's Coins. La, 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 la. Get your rear over here and bring your money. And before he got out the door, the other guy shows up. Was there. A couple thousand dollars. And while that guy was sitting there buying silver, the same guy's back on the phone calling some lady going, I found silver at Phil's Coins. Get your money. Spreads like wildfire. And we had three people. He, he brought him and two other people in in a matter of like 30 minutes. And, and he walks out the door and he says, well, I'll be back. I'll be back. So it's, but it's crazy. But there are people out there looking for silver. And, you know, I've, you know, I've had people come in, you know, two, three different times because they can't, you know, they don't understand how it all works. But yeah. we try to explain it to everybody. So flying right on off the shelves. I tell you, what, let's take a break here. 19 minutes past the hour. When I come back, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk some fun stuff. I want to get your thoughts on the Kyle Rittenhouse case. You've been following that one. Yes, okay. Yeah. 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 Let's have some fun with that. Plus, I want to talk about real quickly your most unique uh piece of gold or silver that you have in the shop right now do you know what that is something fun or unique that kind of an oddball or the most precious thing that you have there my wife ah, <laughs> good it. answer ah, yeah the most precious thing i got in the shop is my <laughs> wife she's not for sale not for sale yeah. on that one i love it let's take a break here 20 minutes past the hour it's phil martinez of phil's coins 9344 west central avenue buying selling and trading with honesty and integrity Check them out online as well at philscoins.com. Lots more coming up here on Candace Talk on KQAM. Stay here. Twenty-three minutes past the hour, right here on KQAM, Wichita's Big Talker. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning. We got some calls on the line. Don't go anywhere. We'll get to you here in just a couple of minutes. I want to chat with you. Open lines for the next half hour at 316-721-8255. It's going to be open lines on any of the hot topics of the week. Holy cow, was it a week? We had the passage of the reconciliation bill in the House. We had the signing of the infrastructure bill. We had the Kyle Rittenhouse case. We had the Steve Banning case. We have the... Uh, what's her name? Gislaine Maxwell? Gislaine, is that how you pronounce Gosh, her name? Don't ask me. Yeah, Read whatever. Names now. Yeah, exactly. The only name I know is God and Jesus. That's it. Hey, that's the that's the only ones you really need to yep. know nowadays. Good golly, there's a some crazy stuff. So we have all those cases going on. We have a lot of issues going on. We have the resigning of the Kansas Department of Health and Environment Secretary, Dr. Lee Norman. Why is that? We have approval ratings, quote unquote, from Governor Kelly on a national scale. So we'll talk about all that here on the program and more over the next uh, hour and a half. Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell is joining us here at 10 o'clock to start off hour number two. But right now, Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, uh, let's shift gears a little bit from the coin and silver market. I'm sure that, uh, you know, I know you love talking about gold and silver all the time, but I got to pick your brain on this because I know that you guys, and first off, I, I don't know if it's public, everybody can see it when they walk in, but you guys carry firearms for security, obviously sure. in a shop because... Oh. That's kind of important for a shop that sells gold and silver. Well, we we're just giving you the heads up that if you want to rob someplace, there's a bank down the street or there's a grocery <laughs> store down the street because they don't carry guns and they don't shoot back. Well, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, where you know we have we have we have a sign on the wall that says there's nothing worth dying for in that shop. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, I mean, it's, it's right there. People go. Mm-hmm. See that shop? He makes it clear there's nothing worth dying for. There's in nothing here. There's worth not. dying for in here. Absolutely. Exactly. 
Talk about uh, we talked about this yesterday when the when the official hearing came down. But Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all charges. It was an amazing day, not just for Kyle, but for I think individuals that promote self defense, that promote the Second Amendment. But why did it take so long? I mean, that was three, four days of deliberation from the jury. It should have been like a day of like, oh yeah, he's not guilty. This is ridiculous. So move on. I really, to be honest with you, I really didn't follow much of it. I mean, I know that. You know, I heard originally why he was there, that he was there to clean up graffiti and stuff and do what was right. Uh, I don't know that he didn't shouldn't have maybe been carrying what he was carrying. Sure. But uh, it is apparent that if he wasn't carrying what he was carrying, hadn't been carrying a weapon, they'd have killed him. I mean, the only difference is we'd been trying two or three other people for killing him. And since they're on the liberal side of the situation, mm-hmm. uh Biden and Camille would be out there trying to raise bail money to get them out of jail like they did for everybody from Antiva. Oh, sure. But I instead, mean, you know, Joe Biden I mean, said out- Biden needs to keep his damn nose out, out of this situation. Yeah, he said a if, letter. He's talking for peaceful, peaceful protest. And when they turn violent, now is he response? Is he going to be held responsible for the violent crimes that happen like they're trying to do Trump on the White House thing? Right. Oh, no, he's a Democrat. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the way it's going to be, people. It's wild to me that yesterday after the hearing came down, Joe Biden sent out a statement across the nation about this case saying, let's all be unified, but I don't agree with the decision like many of you do not either. And then he went on to say, you know, let's unite. But he's going after a 17, 18-year-old kid now saying, I don't agree. This kid's a crazy murderer, and I don't agree with him getting a guilty charge on here. And uh, we, But we need to unite and don't do anything crazy and don't loot and you know, steal and you know, go crazy, which I don't know if there were any protests last night. Possibly there were. I know that the National Guard was on call, so I, I do need to take a look and see kind of what happened last night. But just the fact the President of the United States went after a 17, 18-year-old kid and said that he didn't agree with the decision to say he's not guilty. That's That boggles my mind. Well, just like I said, okay, I'm 72, okay? And I don't agree with anything that Biden's done. So who the hell is right? Do you go out and protest because of what? I mean, if, God, if the Republicans were out protesting on all the stupid stuff that Biden's doing, we'd all be in jail. The jails would be overfull with, with Republicans. <laughs> Republicans are wrong and Democrats are right. So, I mean, you know, the Democrats can do what they want. If it had been, you know, if he'd have been a Democrat and he'd have been just killing him because he was cleaning up the graffiti, it would have been just fine. Yeah, there's crazy partisanship on that one. But I think it's a good news because individuals like you guys who carry in your store, who defend yourselves, who aren't afraid to defend yourself, and we've talked about this quite a bit on the program before, that I think this is a win because if it would have went the other way, that would have set a precedent of saying, even though you're being attacked, you're not allowed to shoot them and defend yourself. And I think that would have been a really dangerous path to go down. Well, I mean, I'm not sure my, my, my employees followed all this way closer than I did. But when a guy standing there holding a pistol and pointing at you, <laughs> uh, what part, even, even the guy, even the guy that had the gun that got shot said that if he hadn't shot him, he would have shot and killed him. Yeah. Now, if that's not self-defense, right. people take me out and hang me. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's self-defense. It was a wild case, but again, I think it came out on the right side. It just took a little bit longer. I think they were worried about the potential repercussions. I mean, the jury was being followed by the media. They were they were worried about threats of individuals saying that the, if there's no justice here, then there was going to be no peace. You know, this these were the cries out inside the courthouse. 
it was just a wild circumstance all around. Hopefully we can put it behind us and be able to move forward, but I think it was a big win this week. Well, I do too, I, you know, and, uh, you know, this is going to come up, but somebody said uh, by the time he gets done suing all the radio stations that made him look <laughs> bad, he's going he's, he's gonna to own NBC, CBS, and everybody else that's anybody because it's going to cost – he takes him to court he, because of the decision. He's going to win hundreds of millions of dollars. Those defamation cases of everybody calling him a terrorist, a murderer, yes. so on and so forth for the last year. That's going to be fun to watch. And, well, I mean, uh, you know, if you were in Iraq and, and somebody from Iraq pointed a gun at you and you shot him, it was self-defense. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's it's it only makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if he, he was on the ground, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. What little I've seen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that, you know, maybe that's going to cause some problems, but I do think that the they everybody in my shop was thrilled with the verdict. Yeah. Phil Martinez, Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, opening up here in just a little bit. Uh, go and check them out. Open until 2.30 this afternoon. Phil, happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend, and look forward to chatting with you in a couple weeks again. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and God bless all you people out there. Take a break. Back after this open lines to you. we got some callers on the line. Don't go anywhere. It's Candace Talk right here on KQAM. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker 1480 AM 1025 FM KQAM. Happy Saturday morning to you, trying to get you up and going for the day. Always appreciate you sticking around with us. Open lines to you for this half hour, 316-721-8255, 316-721-Talk. We have a lot to talk about. Let's first, though, I do want to remind you that we do this every single year. It's awesome, and I know that there is a crazy high demand for them, but we still have some for you. This coming up week on Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving, and on Friday, right after Thanksgiving, is our great chance with the Big Talker KQAM as we partner up with 4C Christmas Tree Farms to give you your very own Christmas tree. Yeah, I know. So listen to the morning news, your morning news with John Wright on Wednesday and on Friday morning. Wait for the sounder. He will play the sounder and you can win your very own Christmas tree with KQAM and 4C Christmas Tree Farms. We always appreciate partnering up with them and it's always great promotion because a lot of people I know set up all their Christmas decorations right after Thanksgiving on Black Friday and on the weekend thereafter. So it's going to be a fun celebration this year. I'm telling you, this year is when we get back together with family and friends. Now, now, I say that like we didn't get to last year. Dr. Fauci may not have wanted to last year. Uh, Dr. Lee Norman with the KDHE may not have wanted us to last year, but we did it anyways because that's just the way Kansans roll. That's the way most people roll. We're just like, you know what? I don't really care what you have to say. We're still going to get together with family and friends. Sure, we may take some extra precautions, but we're just going to live our life and celebrate and actually be close to family for the holidays because you can't tell us not to. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a little bit as well. 316-721-8255. We have Jim Howell, Sudge County Commissioner, coming up in hour number two. But for right now, it is open lines to you. So let's go to the phone. Sign at number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine. Now, I've been on three juries, two state and one federal. And uh, I would like to say this about people following jurors. Yeah. Okay. Uh now, the federal case I was on, uh, we were actually told, you know, that we, uh, that uh, if anyone ever followed us and et cetera like that to notify them. And another thing that was told to us was that if somebody um, 
tried to uh, physically do anything, and the judge just said, defend yourself. Sure. You know, and uh, but another thing is the fact that they allowed those demonstrators to be on the courthouse steps with the trial going on inside. I think that was dead wrong. They should never have allowed that. That is very uh, true. Yeah, it's it's it is wild to me why they would allow or why that even got to that level. I mean, what's the media? What would be the purpose of that to try and intimidate and bully the jury to try and interview them outside? They know they're not allowed to do that. Uh, Maybe to expose which that would be a little more malicious intent to expose their names and their location. So that way the protesters would go after them. I mean, that would be uh, I mean, it definitely is jury intimidation, but. I just, in a rational thinking mind, to even think that that would be an okay thing to do. Uh, we live in strange times right now, don't we? Yes, and I don't know whether you're aware of this, but believe you just take my word that's true on a one jury trial that I'm very familiar with. Okay, the jury selection was done off-site in an undisclosed location. Sure, and so. People could, jurors, I mean, people could come and go there, and nobody even knew what the hell was going on. Yeah. But, um, and another thing is just President Biden, what he said about the verdict, that was so dead wrong. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, I've never seen a president actually come out and respond to a case like this like he did and go after a 17, 18-year-old child and think that, you know, I don't agree with this. I think he should be a crazy murderer and he should be in jail. But since he's not, let's all unite together. I mean, just that statement right there is one of the most dividing things you could possibly say. And then, oh, but let's not cause havoc in the streets. Let's try and work together and be unified as a society. And blah, 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 you know, typical talking points there. But I, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. You know what? I don't like this 18-year-old kid. I think that he needs to be behind bars. Right. And another thing, as far as you're saying, why did it take four days? Okay, on jury instructions, okay, <clears throat> what they did is like one page will have uh, to find this person guilty, you must find uh, part A, then part A may possibly have maybe 10 subparts under it. And so what you have to do, you have to find, you have to go through each and every one of those and check it off. Okay. If you can't check it off, that means that person is not guilty. That doesn't mean the person's innocent. That means that person's not guilty. And so since they had about four or five charges against this kid, yeah. that's why it took such a long time. But, um, Andy, uh, the system worked. The kid is free. And uh, But you know what? Honestly, it was the fault of the police department for not doing its job to begin with. That's why the kid was there. If the police department had been doing their job, mm-hmm. none of this would have ever happened. It's a great point. I mean, law enforcement was there to stop this stuff, but instead they were driving around allowing it to happen and then just trying to support others while they were kind of taking matters into their own hands. So as bad as it was, and again, I, I'm with you, I think this entire event could have been avoided if the kid wasn't there in the first place. I mean, especially with the parents. I mean, who let your 17-year-old to go out to a crazy protest with a firearm? Uh, I, again, you could debate that all you want to, but at the end of the day, that's what we had to do was start taking matters in our hands because law enforcement wasn't doing anything. And I think that's a deeper issue now, a deeper seated issue that we need to start addressing before more cases like this begin to happen. Uh, true. But, but Andy, um, you know what, what's even worse was that I saw on television last night, hundreds of young people marching in office. They don't even, first of all, they don't even know what in God's name 
they're even marching for. They don't know anything <laughs> about the trial. Uh, you know, if you if you if you listen to every word at a trial, there's so much that is said. And the only thing you get on TV sometimes you just get a, a depends on if you watch that MSNBC uh, and that CNN. I mean, um, it is so sad. But um, Andy, there is so much that is in the evidence that you never hear about on television. But anyway, all I'm saying is that, um, Andy, uh, our country is in trouble. And, well, I you think know, I think we're working to fix it. I think we're working to fix it. We have uh, we had a great election a couple weeks ago with school board members. We had a case that actually turned out in our favor, not just for Kyle, but for the Second Amendment and for self defense cases as well. We have a lot of fired up people going into midterm elections. The Democrats have terrible numbers. Kamala Harris tried to take over power for a day or so, and obviously not doing the best in the polls. So we're in good shape, my friend. And I think right now we are on a bad track, but. We're working to turn that horse around, baby. Frederick, I got to take. I, I got to get some other calls here, so I appreciate it. Always great to talk to you, and happy Thanksgiving. If I don't talk to you beforehand, you and your family have the most beautiful Thanksgiving because you're such a wonderful person, and you have such a wonderful family too, Andy. Well, take I, care. I always appreciate it. You as well. Happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Three one six seven two one eight two five five. By the way, real quickly, there is an audio clip. I haven't heard this yet, so I'm not sure what it all says, but it's from CNN. Them interviewing Joe Biden right after the event. The, uh, with the jury decision on Rittenhouse. Tonight, the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse garnering swift reaction in Washington. President Biden, who had appeared to call Rittenhouse a white supremacist during the 2020 presidential campaign. I didn't watch the trial, so I, you Can know. You stand by your past comment equating him to white supremacy? Well, look, I stand by what the jury has concluded. The jury <laughs> system works, and you have to abide by it. That's the response. Hey, do you still stand by your, your stance when you said on the campaign trail that he's associated with white supremacy and that he just wanted to go shoot black people? Well, I stand by the trial's decision. Ain't that a political response? Yes, I do. I just can't say it now because I would get uh, sued for defamation in the White House, which I can't do because he's already probably going to come after me for defamation from the campaign trail as candidate Joe Biden instead of President Joe Biden. So well done, Mr. President. You have officially confirmed what we all know already. Let's go back to the phones here. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's happening, sir? How are we doing? Well, uh, I wish that self-defense applied to more people when it comes to law enforcement because unfortunately that fellow in uh, Colorado there, he died uh, because he was just walking around and the police decided to just grab him and detain him and then shoot him up with some chemicals and then he died from it. Now his family did get money from that but there needs to be more legislation where you can, if you know you haven't done anything illegal or anything wrong, that you should be able to defend yourself. I mean the, the man who got shot on his porch here in Wichita he didn't do anything, just walked out of the porch, and then the officer wrapped there, shot him dead. So, I mean, he, he should have been having the right to defend himself, too. Well, I agree that we need to work on self-defense laws to try and preserve them more. Now, we're talking to, you're talking about something a little more tricky because this case was kind of a citizen-on-citizen citizen kind of thing and a self-defense issue there. When it comes to law enforcement, uh, you're right. I mean, we need to have some type of protection uh, obviously, so that way we don't get uh, don't get abused if that God forbid ever happens. At the same time, when we're talking well, with law happen. enforcement, it's, well, yeah, I mean we obviously have seen some cases uh, uh, of these sorts of things. 
I would say that we do need to work on some type of protections and we need to be very clear on how we can handle things with law enforcement. But my recommendation if when it comes to law enforcement is to go through the motions with whatever they're trying to do, if it is arresting you or whatever, and then fight so it afterwards. Him, they killed that man. They, they, they killed him. Well, you're right. right. Supposed to go along with being killed. Uh, well, no, exactly. And there are obviously things that law enforcement have not done right. I'm saying that if they are trying to arrest you, instead of fighting it, I would say go through that motion and then fight it on the back end for wrongly arresting you and uh, and going after them from that sense. Because I, mean, I don't think they even tried to kill. I mean, they killed the man on the porch, and I don't think they even tried to arrest him. They just shot him. Yeah, well, again, I mean that one's uh, that's come down from our our county district attorney and have uh, have cleared the law enforcement because of the circumstance to where it looked like a motion moving down to his uh, to, you know to his waist where there would have been potentially a firearm and obviously a mistake was made and I don't like it I think it's heartbreaking for something that happened like that but law enforcement was going on some sort of a certain realm of circumstances and observations what they were seeing and then a swift motion down to the waist which probably wasn't the smartest motion to make at that time when the guy began to rebel and not go along with what law enforcement told him to do it was just an unfortunate circumstance i don't know that anything well, could have well, prevented I mean, that and really i'll tell you what you either got to be for self-defense or not and yeah. so i mean i think that you should be able to defend yourself i agree with that and i think this case shows that you know you need to be able to defend yourself because if someone's coming at you and they're going to kill you irregardless if they got a badge and you know you didn't do anything just like Kyle Rittenhouse he know he didn't do anything so he had a right to defend himself and so does everyone else irregardless if it's law enforcement or not well I agree with you you're right we do have a right to self-defense here and Scott I want to take another call here so I appreciate that very much but you're right now I will say that if you have a bunch of cops coming after you and cops already have their guns drawn and they have in that mode of any slight movement that could potentially get you shot, then you're in a very, very uh, tricky circumstance. And when you have five cops coming after you with firearms, then I don't know much that you could do with a self-defense case or not. Because, I mean, I guess you could go out with blaze glorying uh, sort of thing. But that's one of those circumstances, again, where you just very slowly do every single thing that they ask you to do and then fight it on the back end to prove your innocence and that you didn't do anything that they were wrongly coming after you. I think those situations, as bad as they are, are a little bit separate from what we see with a private citizen-on-citizen thing. But you're right. We need to have protections on all fronts, and we do need to be aware of those things as well. The hope is is that law enforcement is trained enough and is smart enough and has the commonsensical enough to to understand but yet be able to respond in a meaningful way. And obviously they're under immense amount of pressure, and we love law enforcement for everything that they do and for all the the, the ridiculous circumstances that they have to deal with on a blink of an eye and just a, in a millisecond to try and respond to something. So it, it's just a tough situation. The, the shooting that happened here on the guy's porch unfortunately happened. He could have handled it better, and law enforcement maybe could have handled it better. Again, I don't know. We weren't there. We didn't have the 2020 hindsight on that one. Appreciate the phone call, though, very much. I want to get one more call here before we take a break. Line number three. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy. It's Sean. Sean, how are you, sir? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Getting over a sinus infection. Oh. No, no bueno on that one. It, this, it is time of year, though, although maybe it's COVID. You never know. I've already had COVID. <laughs> Well, I don't know. They say you could get it again. Now you're going to get it. Remember, last year we didn't have any cases of the flu or sinus infections. We didn't have any of that stuff. Every time anybody possibly got a sniffle or a sneeze, it was COVID. So, you know, they'll probably try and tell you you have COVID again. Yeah, fear-mongering. Besides, 
<laughs> Besides, if you was to come down with a, if you was to get reinfected by something, you get them uh, B and T cells. Your immune system would go after it because the uh, virus already been recorded with the memory cells. Well, see, now you're just talking crazy because Fauci doesn't believe in a natural immune system. Doctor Frankenstein, that's <laughs> quack. <laughs> Which yeah. is probably why Lee Norman stepped away from the KDHE as well, because he didn't believe in a natural immune system as well. He was the one promoting, again, just like Fauci, either you get the vaccine or you'll probably die. Yeah, well, I know one thing. Fauci's not. He's got one foot in his grave already at his age. So, <laughs> But uh, anyway, hey, uh, as far as this uh, trial goes, I mean, uh, the damn thing never should have. It, it, it should have never went to trial. Yeah. You know, I think everybody knew that, you know, the jury knew that. Uh, I think the judge knew it as well. Yeah, that's why I was thinking uh, right before they uh, uh, went to uh, deliberations, they should have been they should have been out no longer than 10 minutes and come back with a verdict is not guilty on all counts, just like that. But. You know, well, I think they I wanted think to go through their due diligence to try and show the opposition that they were, quote-unquote, doing everything they could to look at all of the evidence to not come to a quick assumption and trying to maybe look like they really did everything in their power to look at all the evidence so that way there was at least some type of maybe positive or rational response from the other side who's a little bit more on the radical end. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good strategy. So they did the right thing. and, and as far as the jury goes, the kids got justice now, but that's not that's not enough. This needs to uh, he needs to sue CNN and NBC right off the planet, and he needs to sue Biden as well because uh, after this thing happened, before Biden got president, uh, uh, got elected, you know, when he was just a uh, private citizen, former VP, he called the kid a terrorist and a white supremacist. So yeah. that's slander right there. Well, and again, that's why when they asked him just now after the hearing, they're like, so do you still stand by your stance that he's a white supremacist? He's like, well, look, I mean, we're just, I just, you know, believe in the jury. So he didn't even respond like, yeah, he's he might have gotten off and he might have been self-defense according to the jury, but he's still a white supremacist. Like, he can't say that now as a president. He doesn't want that defamation case. And he realizes, along with all the other media outlets, realize that they're in a world of hurt and that that other kid, what was that? What was that kid's name that was standing there facing the Native American guy beating the drum in his face trying to be obnoxious? Um, he won like near $250 million in defamation from the media. This kid's going to almost double that because he can go after every media outlet out there that called him a terrorist, a white supremacist, and a murderer for the last year. No, that kid should get $100 billion <laughs> with a B. Which, isn't it ironic? I have to admit, I mean, it, isn't it ironic that the person that you despise the most, you give them the fuel to become extremely wealthy, extremely successful, and to have a luxurious life because of what the mistakes that you made by hating on them so badly. If they would just back off a little bit and actually be journalists and actually be rational about the conversation, then he wouldn't be that, and then you wouldn't actually just give him the money for him to live a luxurious life. Uh, I don't know about luxurious life, but I do know this much. Uh, <clears throat> there's never, they won't be able to go anywhere where nobody won't know yeah. who he is. But, you know, the money would certainly help as far as uh, 
you know, getting away from it, you know, I may hire some bodyguards. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be able to just go back to a normal life and actually get a normal job. He's uh, the only thing I could see him doing is really being a spokesperson, touring and talking about some of these things. But it's going to linger. It's going to be that is going to make him his life. That's what he will be known for his entire life. And he's got to live with that. And you're right. I think that's going to be a very negative thing for him because, you know, that's made you who you are for the rest of your life and uh, that's going to be a sad situation so hopefully he can at least get a somewhat decent living sean i appreciate it my friend i got to take a break here but happy thanksgiving to you as well and uh, uh i look forward to chatting with you again here real soon got to take a break when we come back we'll get our update with the aarp plus get set for hour number two with Cedric county commissioner jim howell lots more to get to here on kansas talk here on the big talker kqam back with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. You can also find them on social media and follow them as well with all the great content and virtual stuff they have on there as well. Mary's back on the line with us again today. How are you, Mary? I'm doing great, Andy. How about you? Uh, doing good. I can't believe that we're just a week away, less than a week away really from Thanksgiving as we get closer to the holidays, which means, as we talked about before, there are scams abroad with individuals trying to get your information and your money going in to the holiday season. Right. Let's talk about gift card scams. And these are not the kind where you go out and buy a gift card for someone you know to give to them. This is about scammers who contact you and they it may be an imposter scam. It may be someone claiming to be with the IRS and they say you owe a debt. And they need payment from you through a gift card. They want you to go out, buy a gift card, and give them the information. So we want people to really know, to really um, understand when someone asks you to buy a gift card for a payment, that should raise a huge red flag. Mm. Yeah, there's not many times where you actually need to use a gift card to pay for something, especially over the phone, online, really anywhere. Right. And, you know, the first thing you need to understand is that gift cards can be part of any scam. They can be used for an imposter scam. They're, they can be used for someone asking about Social Security payments, tech support, grandchildren, um, online soulmates, for example, for the romance scams. So they can get you to, to get a gift card for any of those reasons. And here's the way they do it. They, they want to get you into a heightened emotional state either fear that you have that you owe money and you're going to be put in jail if you don't pay it or excitement or even love. And so once the 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 target is under the ether, that's that's you and me, if we were a victim of a scam, we would be the target and if we're under the ether in that heightened emotional state, the scammer is usually able to convince us that the quickest way to, you know, make that payment or, you know, help someone travel to see you is to go and purchase specific gift cards. Um, and, you know, for even hundreds and thousands of dollars, and it has happened in the past. And then they want you to share the information that's on the back of the card. And they often stay on the phone through the entire transaction. You know, you go out and buy the gift card, you come back. Um, you, you, they want you to give the information and they stay on the phone with you. So they make sure that you go through all the steps that you need to, um, before you question it, before you, you, you come back to reality and say, wait a minute, what the heck am I doing? 
So they're very clever about it, and, and we want people to be careful about that. Is that another reason why a lot of individuals like to use credit cards over debit cards as well? Because if there is a fraudulent claim, whether it's from buying something online, whether it's because of someone got your information, that it's easier to put a stop to it as opposed to seeing that money come out of your account. Exactly. That's why we encourage people to use credit cards rather than debit because you can you can get the you can get the money back versus the debit card where it is gone. Yeah. So All right, there it is. That was the AARP. Had to cut that one short. Top of the hour news, right around the corner, hour number two, Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. We'll chat with him on the latest coming out of Cedric County, right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. On the Big Talker, KQAM. Flies right on by. Welcome in. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker. 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Thanks for joining us today on a Saturday, getting ready for Thanksgiving. I can only imagine everybody is getting in the festive mood, starting to play some of the music. I am not playing Christmas music yet. It's not not till after Thanksgiving. (laughs) One more week. But I know everybody's getting ready, probably getting the turkey out, getting ready to brine it. Turkey prices are ridiculous, up what, like 20, 30% compared to what we had seen last year. Thanks, Joe Biden. We'll talk about some of that, get you in the festive mood here in just a little bit as well. Welcome in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join in, we would love to hear from you. Loved all the callers with uh, Frederick and Scott and Sean and couple others as well uh, we had some on the line as well that we just didn't get to so give us a call back we'd love to hear from you at 316-728-255 happy thanksgiving to all of you and uh, let's get into it all presented by phil's coins 9344 west central avenue for buying selling and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs they are officially open right now until 2 30 this afternoon also you can find them online at philscoins.com we haven't heard this sounder in a while <laughs> And it's time we have back in studio, Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. How are you, sir? I'm I'm fantastic. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, it's always good to chat with you. It is. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, not just with the holidays, but just with you guys doing in the county. We have redistricting that I want to talk about a little bit as well. We have some of the budget stuff you guys are all wrapped up with. We have just. It's just that time of year. I told Phil earlier in the show, like, I, I've never seen things go this fast before because to me, with all the projects I'm doing, it just seems like a blur right now. Yeah, You know, part of that is because you're getting older. <laughs> That's, he said the same thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so I, I feel old now today. <laughs> I do think it's true, though. Last year just seemed like it was uh, slower than usual. I think some things that happened last year seems like it was much longer ago now. Yeah. Doesn't it seem that way? Yeah, well, I think over the last year with COVID, things just slowed down. And we stayed at home. We didn't do as much. So things slowed down. And now this year, getting back to normal seems like it's really, really fast. I suppose that's true. And, and I'll tell you what, this the, uh, the end of the year always does surprise me. <clears throat> Here we are. Chris, Christmas is just a few weeks away. Yeah. Thanksgiving next week. And I'm never ready for it. <laughs> but it's here. It's here. So Yeah. Christmas stuff coming up next week, I guess, right? Well, 
I don't know. There's a lot of planning that hasn't been done yet, so I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I'm sure my wife knows. I, I'm just there for the ride. So. It's just there. She's got it. She's got the schedule. You just kind of go along That's for right. the ride. Just here to say yes. That's right. Let's talk about some county issues first. We haven't talked to you really in a couple of months. It's it's been so wild. But talk about what the latest is with the county. You guys finished off your budget last time we talked. You guys just wrapped that up. Things seem to be okay with the budget but moving forward how do we look in the county i wasn't excited about the budget i think there's there's a lot of things in there that in my opinion are, are somewhat discouraging i, I would say um, if i was going to be critical to myself and critical to the county we are growing the budget mm-hmm. it is getting bigger some of our problems are are bigger than they ever have been and uh, some of this seems understandable um, you know this in the private sector andy uh, utilities are going to cost more next year yeah. Labor rates cost more, and if you don't increase your labor, uh, you know salaries of your employees, you're not going to be able to retain them. And of course, re, you know re- recruiting and retraining new employees is extremely expensive. Sure, we have uh, you know some of the problems we're seeing in Sedgwick County with um, with Wichita, especially. I, I you know not not trying to be bad at you know upset with Wichita, but we do have a lot of crime in the community, so our our jail population is full. Our courts are backed up. Um, we have the need right now for moving moving county uh, non-court-related functions out of the county courthouse to give that courthouse more courthouse more fully over to the district attorney into the into the judicial branch. Sure, we're going to create some new courts, but that costs a lot of money. We have mental health problems in the community. Maybe it ties back to meth meth issues, and uh, mm. we have crime issues that tie into meth, and then we end up with mental illness issues that tie into those other two issues, and we have homeless problems. And we start getting into some of that stuff. It's just there's just not money to deal with it unless you go find the money. And then, and then, as I, as I mentioned a minute ago, the courthouse needs to have more space that right now we're currently using for things like the county commission. Right. Dedicate that towards more like court-related stuff. So now we, have to, now we have to have a place to go. We don't have the money for that, and on it goes. And so, you know, these, these problems are real, and it's complicated. I don't like the fact that we're growing the budget. I really, I really don't. Yeah. I wish it was an easier answer, but – it, you know, it is understandable when you start looking at what's going on. It's like, okay, well, that that makes sense. I guess we have to do this too. Sure. And it's just it's just a lot of that right now. So, no, I'm not happy, but I, I do think we're doing the best we can. I don't think anybody in this in this circumstance would be able to find ways to save money to to keep us from growing the budget a little bit. It just I just, don't, I just don't think that's possible. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate. What the, the one thing that did stick out though is as you mentioned that the jails are full and crime is on the way up and we're trying to have a handle on this. And it seems to be the same trend that every community goes through unfortunately because we always look at it in such a weird way of we need more money for jails, we need to expand jails, we need more law enforcement and we need to try and do this instead of looking at the deeper core issues on why we're seeing people go down the road of addiction. Why we're seeing people go down the road of actually having a problem or needing to commit a crime and trying to address those issues, whether it's the family values thing, whether it's the job opportunity thing, whether it's the education thing, and focusing on those and letting the community do it. And I know you agree with me here. It's, sure. it's getting the red tape and the regulation of the government out of the way and letting people just live their life. And then we wouldn't even have these issues instead of, uh, instead of the on-cry that we always see in a big city of, oh, crime's up, guess we need to be uh, build a better and a bigger prison so that way we can fit more criminals in there. Like, well, it drives well, me nuts. Well, the, the good news is we haven't actually built a bigger jail. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've not actually built a bigger jail. We could have years ago. In fact, sure. back in 2005, I think it was, there was an initiative to build a bigger jail. But rather than do that, we created what's called the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, I'm a member on that commission, on that council, and they're finding other ways of dealing with problems. You know, trying to if they're if they're nonviolent offenders that are safe in the community, we'll track them or monitor them and let them go back to work and things like that. We don't have to actually have them incarcerated in our own facility. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of there's a lot of efforts to to keep people out of jail, not have to build a bigger jail. We also have a thing called a drug court, and uh, there's people who are, you know, they're looking at looking at jail time, but you have their attention. You could say if you go through this drug court program, you can basically have that drug charge diverted and keep your your, your record clean, mm-hmm. keep your job, take care of your kids, but you've got to go through this program, and it's very successful. We have graduations about twice a year, and uh, there's you know, ten, fifteen, twenty people graduate through this drug court every, you know, a couple times a year. It's, it's hugely successful. Sure. Now they want to create what's called a veterans court and a mental health court for the same type of, same type of idea. And uh, so we are trying to be innovative on that type of stuff. But, um, you know, the Judge Riddell Boys Ranch, I keep talking about that because juvenile justice reform is a huge issue for me. Yeah. I got my attention in the county. That's why I came here in the very first place back in 2012. The county was, was toying with the idea of shutting down, down this boys ranch had been very successful for 50 years. The ten years prior, the ten years prior to that, we actually had reduced uh, juvenile offenses offenses in Central County by ten by um, excuse me by fifty percent. It was very expensive, but it was also very effective. And they said we didn't want to do that, so they basically replaced that with a, a bill called Senate Bill three sixty seven that passed in twenty sixteen. As a consequence, I'd say for seventy five percent of the kids, it actually is more efficient on taxpayers. It is effective. It does work very very well for seventy five percent of these kids. The other twenty five percent not working at all. And the real problem is that 25% is costing this community in ways it's un- uncalculable what's costing yeah. taxpayers now. So we're trying to solve some problems, but you can't get cheap on the front end. Otherwise, you pay for it on the back end. <laughs> That's, that is very true. Are we seeing an increase, not just in crime, as you mentioned, but an increase in actual juvenile crime? Are they still having the major issues that we've seen? And is oh, that on the uptrend or is that going down? Oh, my gosh. That's a huge topic, Andy. Thank you for asking. Um, there's a reluctance to charge these children. Uh, with crime. Um, so Senate Bill 367, again, is well-intentioned. They, they will try to divert all charges trying to treat these kids in the community. And, and these kids, because on paper, if you don't charge them and adjudicate them with a crime, they look like a children in need of care. Otherwise, we call it a sink kid, a children in need of care. And uh, sink kids, if they don't have a place to stay, they'll end up in foster programs. But really, the reason that they're there is because of juvenile offenses. It's a very complicated topic. But at the end of the day... Um, are we actually seeing less crime? No, we're not. We are seeing less charges and less less convictions and less children in incarceration as a consequence of an intentional effort to basically just not charge them and treat them as, you know, victims of society and, and be a little bit soft on them. There's, in other words, we, we've kind of lowered the standards a little bit by which we would actually go after a child and charge them with a crime and convict them and actually have some type of consequences for that bad consequence for that bad behavior. Again, this Senate Bill 367 is very well-intentioned, but it doesn't really work. And so last week, last week I actually had a meeting with um, 22, of our, 22, uh, 22 experts. Mm-hmm. That included some district court judges, the, some people from DCF, D- Department of Children and the Families, uh, some corrections staff, a district attorney and his staff, um, and some legislators. And uh, 22 of us came together and talked about what needs to happen to fix this problem and helpfully get some tools back in the judges and prosecutors' hands. Because some of these kids, frankly, under the current laws, under the current rules, we just don't have anything we can do to effectively change these kids. And so they end up in penitentiaries. They end up committing much more violent crimes, and it's very expensive on taxpayers. Yeah. So we're, we're working on it. The answer is, um, yes, we're aware there's a better way, and, and I think we're going to do some things next year, hopefully, to, to begin to address this problem. Sure.
Good. Let's take a break here real quick. 17 minutes past the hour. When we come back, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the economy in the in the county, that things going into the holidays, obviously consumer spending, the supply chain issues that we have. Plus, I know you and I, we're on the board with the Kansas State Rifle Association. Yeah. i got to get your thoughts on the Kyle Rittenhouse case as well and uh, talk about that. So we'll, we'll get to all that and more. we got a lot to talk about here on a Saturday. Plus, uh, okay, real quick, I have to tease this. Lee Norman, KDHE, gone from the KDHE. <laughs> what the heck, man? Hey, I'll just say uh, good decision. <laughs> good decision. <laughs> I think that was afflicting into the uh, Kelly administration just a little bit going into midterms. Hey, she started. She started to uh, realize that she's in a campaign. Yeah, and he didn't like it. Is my opinion. We'll see what happens. We'll yeah. talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit as well. Three one six seven two one eight two five five. Three one six seven two one talk plus. I do want to spend some time with you on Thanksgiving. Your traditions. What you're planning on doing this next week? Getting ready. Are you seeing the family, or is COVID very, very scary? and you're not wanting to get together with family and friends, we'll do all that and more. Coming up here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. <laughs> 21 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into KQAM, which does Big Talker. Kansas Talk right here, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Hey, want to remind you again, coming up, because it is the holiday this weekend, or this week, coming up on Thursday with Thanksgiving, we have our tradition, giving away a Christmas tree. I know. Now, if you are going to get your Christmas tree, I highly recommend you go and get one relatively soon. There is a massive shortage, a massive demand for Christmas trees uh, over the last year. Last year, I remember seeing the headlines around this time, like, oh, people are getting out after COVID, and they're trying to go outside and enjoy and go get a Christmas tree, and all of them like sold out just like that. It was insane. I think it's going to happen again this year, but we have reserved a couple to give away. So it's going to happen on Wednesday this week, right before Thanksgiving, and on Friday this week, right after Thanksgiving. Listen to your morning news with John Wright from 6 to 8 a.m., Wednesday and Friday morning, listen for that cue to call, for that sounder. Be caller number one and get your Christmas tree with KQAM and 4C Christmas Tree Farms. So that is awesome. We love giving away that. And you have an opportunity to enjoy your very own Christmas tree with 4C Christmas Tree Farms and KQAM. So to County Commissioner Jim Howell hanging out with us here for this hour. I do want to talk to you quickly, and this goes into the state issues, really, and the county as well, but redistricting. Oh, and boy. Yeah, that's a, that's a major issue. I know the legislature is starting to look at how they're going to redistrict and how this is all going to fall into place after the census, where we, I think, got some more seats in the Kansas City area, got some more seats in the Wichita area based on population. But how does that affect the county itself? Because you guys' lines get redrawn as well, don't you? Yeah, actually, it's interesting because the, at the state house, at least, all the state representatives are on the same uh, election cycle mm-hmm. every two years for the reps and every four years for the senators, and um, and many races like in Derby City Council, it's very even, Steve. In other words, each of the four wards gets to vote every two years, and in, anyway, so there's nobody that's on a. In other words, everyone gets the same opportunities in an election cycle. Yeah. County commission is interesting because it's kind of like the city, which it's kind of like the city council here in Wichita, but the county commission has, um, well, we have five districts and three of those are on a gubernatorial cycle and three are, or two of those are on a presidential cycle. Sure. So when you move someone in this, when you move someone uh, from district four to district two, for example, there's a new argument. I wasn't kind of expecting this, but but the argument is you've just disenfranchised that person because they don't get to vote for two more years. Sure. I don't think that's typically how that word is used, but that's what that's what they're trying to say in this case. And so there seems to be an effort to try to minimize that reality. 
Uh, ten years ago, it had been just the opposite. If we were, if what we're doing right now was was ten years ago, in other words, it would be moving from, uh, let's say, a uh, someone from a a gubernatorial to a presidential. But that was the next race that was up. If that was happening, it's called super franchised, mm. a new word. Well, the reality is we can't not move someone because legally we have to rebalance these districts, and they have about twenty six thousand people in in Sedgwick County that uh, weren't here ten years ago, and the growth was not even across the entire county. So we actually have to, by law, equalize the, dis- the, the district populations within 1%. There's no op- there is no way to do this without <clears throat> disenfranchising, if you want to use that word, somebody. Now, disenfranchising sounds like it's an intentional effort to cause someone not to vote. You're trying to make it hard for them to vote. You, right. you don't want them to vote because you don't like what they think. That's not what this is. This is a matter of complying with the law, but that's the word that they're using. It sounds so negative, but... The reality is um, we absolutely must move a minimum of three precincts from District 4 to District 2. Now, D- District 4 is up north by Park City, Valley Center, and uh, um, Mays is, is district, district 4. And then district, uh, district 2 is down south, Clearwater, Hayesville. Well, District 2 has about 5,000 people too few in their district, and District 4 has about 5,000 people too many. So the easy thing to do, of course, is just move the line between these two because they actually touch each other in the middle of the city. Right. That's easy. That's called Map 3 or Plan 3. We had actually had eight plans drafted up by our staff, and uh, two of those at least are, are very interesting. One of them, actually, I would get about a 70% new district, and my district would become extremely much more Republican, and it moves like, uh, I don't know, the majority of the entire county would be in a different district, actually. It's a very, very uh, drastic map. Most of these maps are very small changes, very tiny changes. So I actually wrote an article a month ago that said that redistricting should be easy peasy because it just looks like it's nothing to, to me. I could do this quickly. I think anybody anybody could look at this and say it's very very simple. Right. Make these tiny little changes and you're done. But the Eagle, God bless them, they introduced the issue of race gerrymandering. I had no idea that someone would have a perspective that, we, that someone has you know moved race on purpose trying to weaken a particular minority. Right. I don't. That wasn't in anyone's thoughts. Until the, until the Eagle raised the issue. And there are a couple of maps. If you look at it from that perspective, it's, it does seem to be splitting up. In other words, lowering the, maybe per, perhaps intentionally lowering the minority strength of, of a couple of districts. It, I, I would tell you right now, it was not intentional. It was an effort trying to make the minimum changes. And so, right. Um, but now that that accusation's out there, this has gotten extremely political. And uh, one of the commissioners wanted to, you know, have a nonpartisan, they actually use the word bipartisan or nonpartisan, they flip back and forth, group, analyze these maps or even introduce a new map that we could look at from their perspective would be, the best, you know, in other words, get the Republicans, Democrats out of this process. Well, a couple of points here. There's no such thing as nonpartisan. Right. Let's talk about that, okay? Uh, we just found that out with the uh, school board elections. Right, yeah. of course. Well, so they're out the gate, they said, let's use the League of Women Voters because they're nonpartisan. And, uh, well... Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not really true. I went and led, read their issues platform. They are for gun control and they are for, uh, you know, climate change, carbon taxing, and uh, whatever. I'm not sure. There's a lot of things in their platform. It's like 147 pages long. They're a pro-choice organization. We're nonpartisan, but here's everything we stand yeah. for. Yeah, and I would say you know their platform, if you want to call it a platform, kind of lines up with the with the Democrat platform somewhat. So I would say they can call themselves. Nonpartisan, all they want to, but they're pl- they do actually do have issues. So I don't, I didn't feel comfortable comfortable with that. But uh, Wednesday, there was able, it was actually a four to one vote. I voted against it. My colleagues voted for this idea, but then 
on Friday, there was a reconsideration of this idea, and they, right, they said, well, gosh, um, let's do this differently. Let's move it to the GOP and to the Democratic Party, the, the Republicans and Democrats. Let them actually take the lead. So we get to pick five on the, on the Republican Party, and Democrats will pick five from the Democrat Party, and then each commissioner gets a pick. I thought, well, okay, that sounds more reasonable, at least, least better than the League of Women Voters. My problem, my problem with this, Andy, though, is even in doing that, um, what about libertarians? What about unaffiliated people? Mm. What about what about people who are machinist union, machinist union or teachers union? Sure. Or KFP. I'm sorry, KPI or AFP, or KFL or whatever. You, you name a group. Name any group out there that has interest in, in these maps for whatever reason. Right. Why can't they all actually have equal? opportunity to get our attention and say what they like and they don't like about these maps sure that's my perspective i don't really like this idea we're going down this path but we did do this uh unfortunately um one of the commissioners picked someone who was registered democrat now they may have changed their affiliation since then to unaffiliated i don't know what happened but Hmm. the argument is it unaffiliated or is it democrat i don't really know but regardless it's not a majority it's not a majority of republicans we know that sure um, so we, we've essentially taken our Republican majority and handed it over to someone else. It's going to be an interesting process. We'll continue that conversation when we come back. Got to take a bottom-of-the-hour break. When we come back, we'll touch on redistricting. We'll touch on the county economy, getting ready for the holidays, and the Kyle Rittenhouse case and more. If you want to jump in, we'd love to hear from you. It's Candace Talk on KQAM. Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Home stretch here, last half hour of the program. Joe Pags live with the weekend coming up in just a little bit here on KQAM at 11 o'clock. Until then, it is open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we would love to hear from you. Hanging out with Subject County Commissioner Jim Howell. By the way, I was checking out your new website, votejimhowell.com, because it's it's that time already. It's hard to believe, but you're going into uh, your election, re-election, coming up for next year in the midterms. That's right. I'm, I'm probably within about a week or two of actually filing for that seat. I'm, I've been collecting signatures since August. It's been a lot of fun. I've been out talking to people at the doors. And uh, I think that I have a lot of support. I, I, as I go to the doors, I'm, I'm very encouraged. People uh, apparently like what I'm doing. And uh, so I'll be, I'll be uh, on the ticket officially here in a couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, it's that time of year. And, you know, I, these races are pretty big. Uh, if you decide to file by fee, it costs about 1000 bucks. if you want to file by petition. Well, it takes a lot of signatures to get on that ballot. Let me just tell you that. So sure. it's a lot of work. But I love doing it, and uh, I plan to go again and – um, you know what? It's You're not all term fun. two right now. Term three. This will be my, I'm ending my second term right ending, now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Going into your third term. So I'm the longest serving commissioner. It sounds bad when I say that, but gosh, I'm just in my second term. <laughs> Everyone else is new. A lot of turnaround. There's a lot of turnaround. Yeah. Term turnaround. limits doesn't make a lot of sense necessarily. I mean, you can you can term us out if you like. That's totally fine. Just just vote us out. That's totally that's totally fine. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the website looks good. You did, you did kind of revamp that a little bit. VoteJimHowell.com. You can go and check out all the information. There, and like you said, you officially filing here in just a little bit. So that's good news. I want to get uh, pick your brain on a couple of these things statewide because sure. you are a state rep as well. And these are just interesting to me, I think, going into midterm elections. We have the first uh, poll on Governor Kelly's approval ratings. Oh, I'm not yeah. surprised. It's, it's, it's Again, that's the time of year. It, it is that time of year. I mean, uh, now, as in it's that time of year, we're a year out from the midterm elections. So they, of course, have to start bombarding with all this stuff already. 
In the according to the Topeka Capital Journal, the firm that was let's, I'm trying to figure out who did this one. The National Outlet Morning Consult is the one that did this poll. The firm periodically it will assess the approval ratings for each governor nationally. They came out with their performance for Governor Kelly in the state of Kansas. 54% of residents approve of Kelly's performance with a margin of error plus or minus of 4%. In the first snapshot of Kelly's favorability in the first year, it comes ahead of the expectation with Derek Schmidt in the governor's race as the Republican and current Kansas Attorney General. So, uh, 54% approval rating. Now, here's the thing. In August of 2020, Kelly saw her rating drop to 46%, according to the group of researchers from the university. Uh, that was during the COVID-19 policy responses. That was a decline from prior to COVID-19. Her approval rating was at 68%, and now she was down to 46%, climbed a little bit back up to about 50% now. It makes sense why we're seeing her campaign the way that she's seeing right now. It is so obvious what she's trying to do right now she's been extremely unpopular during the entire covid pandemic the mask mandates the lockdowns the keeping kids away from school all the garbage that she's been promoting that's why she's come out against the vaccine mandate from biden and she made national news doing so she's got rid of dr lee norman with the kansas department of health and environment now <laughs> because he was extremely unpopular which i have to admit for a doctor who like usually doesn't get a whole lot of media time I'd never seen, this is just my personal observation here, I'd never seen someone so attracted to the camera to try and go and do as many interviews as possible, loving to be in the limelight as a doctor and the head of the KDHE. He was kind of an interesting individual. Well, that's, you said quite a lot there, and I, I tell you what, um, you know, he just, he reminds me so much of Fauci, you know, Fauci <laughs> yeah, and Norman are like exactly. twins. Uh, anyway, I have never been impressed with Dr. Norman. I think that, you know, he just does the, you know, whatever the CDC and, and Fauci say, he'll just basically echoes that. So yeah. it seems like there's nothing new below Fauci. Everything everything, everything that is coming out from the CDC and, and it's uh, promulgated to all the states, it's just an echo chamber. And so Norman basically, in my opinion, has not, has not been uh, able to answer a lot of the questions he never he, took any questions. He yeah, never, I mean, outside of the couple media questions here and there, when people would ask, actually ask him things, he wouldn't answer them. Instead, he would make a video on the KDHE website of children asking him questions to try and be all favorable to the kids and trying to explain things and break it down. But he never actually answered the tough questions, and I never heard him say anything about a natural immunity in any way, shape, or form. So he did, like you mentioned, fall in line with Fauci on the natural immunity doesn't exist. You only get the shot or else you're probably going to die. You probably shouldn't get together for the holidays. But getting rid of him is a political move, I think, from Kelly going into the midterms because her approval ratings tanked during COVID, and she's trying to build that back. So separate from the Democrats in a red state, try and get rid of all the people as the quote-unquote fall people during the COVID pandemic, and then go back to the trough of we're going to cut your taxes and use a conservative standpoint of we're going to get rid of your sales tax on food, which is what she campaigned on four years ago and then shut it down like five different times. I, I totally agree. And, and by the way, I'm not sure I trust this poll because – Again, maybe I maybe I have a, uh, a maybe my my anecdotal feelings are just different. Maybe I'm not in the right circles, I guess. But I'm knocking doors. I'm telling you, I'm not hearing people who love Kelly. where the state is going right now. Yeah. They they're looking for change. I'm I I think right now there's there's buyer's remorse on on Joe Biden, no question. Uh, right now, you couple that with uh, you know the city council going to go into the left this last round. A lot of people not happy about that. Um, and then we have, we have, of course, the, the Kelly administration. We have three people right now in power, and they're, they're looking at themselves like, we don't like where this is headed. Yeah. 
maybe it's not fair to blame those folks with everything that's happening. That may not be fair, but when people aren't happy, they'll vote out whoever whoever's in power. That's just a, a political reality. Right. And so right now in the state of Kansas, we're not happy about a lot of things. And so Kelly, whether she deserves it or not, she's going to get a lot of people who are not, are not going to be likely to push that button again for her. Um, you know, I'll go back to the uh, the last gubernatorial race. I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, had Collier actually been our nominee from the Republican Party, he would have won that. Um, I'm, I'm sad that we we gave the victory to Laura Kelly. I think our state would have been a lot better off going through this pandemic with Dr. Collier. But looking looking back. Um, that was a brutal primary. I don't, it was. I, I, I don't even know, regardless of what candidate came out of the primary in that last election, I don't know if we could have won because we beat each other up really bad in the primaries between yeah. Kobach and Collier. I mean, it was a it was a bloody battle, and there was a lot of bad blood, unfortunately, and it divided the party. So I think regardless of which one, which candidate would have come out in the end victorious, I don't know that it would have made a difference. Well, again, that, that makes me even more excited because we don't have that problem this time. Derek exactly. our guy. He's going to get the nomination, officially get the nomination at some point uh, going yep. forward, but there is nobody else. Derek Schmidt's going to be our, our Republican nominee, and he's a very, very good man. I love him. He's... You know, he's done a great job in the attorney general's office, especially on firearms. Uh, he, he represents the state well, uh, respected with the Constitution. He loves our laws. He's a very smart guy. And I think overall, it, it's just excellent to see someone of that caliber going to be in that seat, uh, gonna, going to run against Kelly. I think when, when you, know, you say 54%, well, what it wasn't was is if, if you held the race today and you knew everything you knew, need to know about Derek Schmidt versus Laura Kelly, who would you choose? I think that's going to be a very interesting poll when that comes out. I yeah. think Derek Schmidt is going to be it's going to be a uh, a trouncing. So there were there was a Republican leaning pollster, the Remington Research, that came out uh, for Schmidt and said that if the race was held today, it's about a forty four to forty race with Schmidt Schmidt head. Schmidt head. It was well, Schmidt ahead by about four. And points. it's early. I mean, everybody yeah. everyone knows Laura Kelly. Derek Schmidt unfortunately doesn't have quite the name ID that she does. Yeah. I mean, she is the she is the governor. Uh, his campaign hasn't even got started yet. So. Yeah. Uh, when when people learn more about him, that forty four forty split's going to be much wider. Yeah, exactly. No question. He's already in the lead, and he hasn't even done anything yet. Right. I mean, exactly. that's that's the sign, and that's why she's using his talking points of saying, "I'm going to axe the tax and get rid of the sales tax on food," which again, she campaigned on that four years ago or three years ago, whatever now, and uh, didn't do it. In fact, stopped it when the legislature tried to do that. Now she's out there like stalking people in the grocery stores and walking around with an axe, saying that we're going to axe the tax on food. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me when the Democrats, as a general party right now, are saying inflation is good. This is good stuff to spend more money. We like the prices going up. And she's going to try and cut the tax, which, again, she's not going to, or she's going to find a way to raise taxes somewhere else. Yeah. You know, the, the Republicans' plan was to grow ourselves out of this as the economy would, would uh, create more revenue with the current tax policy. They would apply that revenue towards buying down rates of sales tax. That was the plan. Um her plan right now is just to basically, I think, shift ta- tax revenue because there's no, there's a no discussion yeah. on basically how we're going to how we are going to uh, do this uh, over time. I think the answer right now is we have some reserves. They're going to cover this with reserves, but they don't really have a discussion about what happens when that no longer the reserves are spent through. Then what happens? Yeah. In other words, spending's not been part of this discussion. It has to be. Yep. You have to talk about spending if you want to talk about redu- reducing tax revenues. It, it goes hand in hand. 
Yeah, and that's not what they're talking about in any way, shape, or form. Real quick here uh, to kind of wrap this conversation up, though. In the county, how are we doing economic-wise? Business is trying to get back open right now. We're going into holidays with Black Friday and the big sales right now. Inflation obviously taking a hit on that. The sales tax, I think, taking a hit on that uh, right now. But are we, from what you've heard in the county, are we at least slowly coming back here? Actually, you might be surprised. I think all of our tax revenues are actually uh, on track, if not ahead of uh, projections. Tax revenues are are reflective of the economy. Our, you know, house house sales are just going gangbusters. Yeah, we can't build houses market. fast enough right now. Yeah, um, we are actually uh, attractive to businesses moving into the community. Sure, uh, retail businesses are are all booming right now. Can't find enough labor, and that's the biggest problem. So, really, economy wise, tax revenue wise, everything we do, everything that touches tax revenue, everything is up. On top of that, you can infuse a couple hundred million dollars from the government. Into Central County, we've we've actually we're sitting on piles of cash right now, and taking care of some stuff that needs to be taken care of, but it's not like we're struggling for money. I don't think that's the right that's not the right perspective. We actually have, in my opinion, uh, plenty of tax revenue, and we actually have some grant funds that are we're taking care of some things that need to be taken taken care of. But um, the biggest problem in Central County right now is labor and uh, and housing shortages. Yeah, and I just talk to people right now. You can't buy a new car in Wichita unless you want to pay over over a sticker. Yeah. You know, that's a new problem. And used cars are up. And uh, restaurants can't find enough staff. They're closing restaurants because they can't find people to keep them open. Yep. And on it goes. And so it's a strange economy. But uh, if I was in judges, judges from, a pers- from the government's perspective, we are not struggling. Sure. What we are struggling with right now is crime, social issues, meth, mental illness, jail space. Yeah. Uh, not having enough law enforcement officers to do what needs to be done. You know, attracting people to the government sector. Again, we need people to do certain jobs, and we're struggling because we can't, we can't keep, we cannot compete with the private sector on wages. Yeah. It's just not. Easy. Well, and and that's the question I wanted to ask was the wages. Are you guys talking about raising wages a little bit? I know the city actually tried to raise their minimum yeah. wage up uh, for, to fifteen dollars an hour. The county, have you guys discussed doing something like that as well? We didn't take that tack, but we are raising wages uh, significantly. Every again, we are on a calendar year as our fiscal year. So January first, we have. I think the largest raise, probably going back for decades in Central County, is about to hit in January the first. On top of that, we're doing re- we're doing sign-on bonuses, we're doing a, a critical pay bonuses. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in place. We're doing training programs now. We're trying to, to pay off tuition to get people to come into certain parts of the uh, certain things we need. We're trying to pay for pay for tuition reimbursement programs. We're trying to be innovative and 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 thoughtful how to get people to come and stay, but. We can't keep up with the private sector. They're just, it's just, it, it seems impossible. No. It's a good problem to have. Jeremy Hill with the, uh, with the, uh, Wichita State, State University, the fiscal analyst who does the 42nd, he just did the 42nd Economic Outlook Conference. His message was different this year. Sure. We are in a, I should say this, Wichita needs to be bullish. We are, we are ahead of this economy. There's opportunities like we've never had before. Businesses are growing as fast as they possibly could grow. And it's actually uh, great for, People to get increase their own wages and increase the quality of life. Sure. A uh, poll came out yesterday said that we're the, they're the least expensive, how do they say this, most affordable community in the entire country, Wichita, Kansas. Really? Yeah, they came out yesterday. Wow. And so you think about this. Wages are going up. Um, 
if you if you lived anywhere else in the country, in many ways, your your quality of life would not be as good as it is here. I'll sure. say that. Yeah, well, that's very true. We have a lot of great stuff here, and I know that we are growing and trying to make our mark, and I think we're starting to do that and doing a really good job of it. Let's take a break. One more break here, wrapping up the show. When we come back, we'll have some fun, talk about some of the national issues, talk about Kyle Rittenhouse as a member of the KSRA. So we'll do that perspective, and we'll touch on some of the other big headlines going on right now. Oh, there was a headline I didn't even get to today. So we'll have to do that in a couple weeks here. Sacramento's mayor, right to housing proposal. As you talk about crime rates and things going on, do people have a fundamental right to housing? That's an interesting conversation. We'll touch on that if we have some time. If not, we'll hold that on uh, for uh, in the next week or so here on Candace Talk. 48 minutes past, going up to the last little bit of Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Welcome back into Candace Talk. Last segment here. A few minutes left here as we wrap up for a Saturday. Again, Joe Pags live with the weekend. We have Leo Laporte coming up at 2 o'clock with your Tech Talk. And a best of with Dan Bongino. Everybody loving Dan Bongino. You can hear him live middays, 11 to 2 weekdays. You can also hear the national broadcast of The Voice of Reason with your flagship right here on KQAM. It's so awesome. We're on multiple radio stations all over the country and more about to come on. So more news on that later. But uh, right here. Ain't going anywhere. Your flagship here on KQAM, the home, your hometown favorite here with The Voice Reason. You can hear us live at 4 o'clock right here on KQAM Monday through Friday. And, of course, Joe Peggs right after as well. So I get to introduce Joe Peggs on the weekends and during the week. It's kind of awesome. Jim Howell, Central County Commissioner. One more segment here. Let's have some fun real quickly as we had this hearing come out this, uh, what was it, yesterday? H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. Fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. Wow. Not guilty all across the board. That is now someone, is, as we mentioned, you and I both on the Kansas State Rifle Association's board of directors here. Talk about what this means, not just for Kyle, but the Second Amendment in general, self-defense in general. Because if this went the other way, to me, essentially, it would have said, you don't have, the, even if someone's on the ground beating you with a skateboard, you don't have the right to defend yourself. So I think this is a win not just for Kyle, but for the gun industry, the Second Amendment industry, the self-defense mindset overall nationwide. Well, there's a lot of constitutional principles at play here. And the the one we absolutely must, uh, I think that drives all the entire discussion here, is a right to, to defend self. Yeah. We have to be able to have that right. I've watched those videos. Um, there's a lot of things that I think everyone did a lot of things wrong that night. I right. Mean, and no one, no one is uh, without... Uh, you know, I, I, everything could have been a lot different. Okay, sure. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I wish he had probably not been there. But in that moment, when someone's pointing a gun at you and they say they would have shot and killed you, um, there is no way to come out of, out of this and say that he was wrong for shooting and defending himself in that moment. Right. You said getting a beat with a skateboard. Absolutely, same thing. You don't know. You know, everything's a weapon. You know, not just firearms weapons, but. Everything could be a weapon. I mean, they were kicking him. They That's were hitting right. him. Yeah. I think he probably would have been killed that night. So, uh, at the end of the day, um, 
those folks that hit this, had the skateboard, they didn't have to be there either. Right. Okay. They were causing mayhem in the streets. They were they were out of control, mob mentality, reacting on stuff that they shouldn't have been involved in. Yeah. Because again, this goes back to what they thought was a bad case, right? They were they were demonstrating over what they thought was injustice, injustice. I, I would just I guess one of my takeaways is let's let's let um, uh, rule of law, I guess, let our prosecutors, our our investigators, our judges, um, thoughtfully go through the evidence and uh, with respect to the law, analyze what is legal, what is illegal. Um, one thing I don't like about this, and I've heard the, I've heard the video mon- or the audio montages of, you know, calling him a white supremacist and and out to kill black people and <laughs> carrying a gun across state lines, and he was out there just trying to be a vigilante. None of those things were true. Yeah, he was in a again. He was young. He was probably in a place he shouldn't have been, especially at that time of day. Got involved in things he shouldn't get involved in. But in that moment, did he have a right to defend himself? Without question. Right. And if you don't respect that in the law. And the, and the prosecutors, frankly, could have done something else. They could have said, you know, he they should have been. terrible. He could have been charged for, you know, violating curfew, for example. Yeah. That would well, have the helped. Pro- the prosecution, I think, almost gave it away. I, I don't know if they even believed the innocence of him and just were trying to go through the motions. I don't know what, but the prosecution was terrible during the entire process. And, you know, now I heard last, I heard on, on your newscast that uh, Portland, Oregon, I guess, was set ablaze last night by demonstrators on this case. And on it goes, people have to stop acting like they're the judge and the jury. Yeah. and the pro- They don't know. If, again, I, listen, I didn't have time to listen to much of this case. The only thing I know of, you know, was he guilty of, uh, of killing somebody? And again, the narrative on the left is he was trying to stop. They, these people were victims. They were trying to stop a mass shooter. Yeah. He was out there to kill black people, and they tried to stop the mass shooter, and they were victimized. Yes. That's not true at all. That is not true that's, at all. That's completely false. And, and so, I, again, let's not let that narrative get away. Yeah, and I think that needs to have a deeper conversation moving forward to make sure that we learn from this mistake is that we recognize what they were out there doing. They were burning the city down. Right. They were not victims. They were the ones causing issues, and then they tried to play that off. I think that's interesting. We're out of time, my friend. Central County Commissioner Jim Howell, always a pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to you. It goes too fast, Andy. It goes way too fast. Flies right on by. We'll have to do it again here soon. I hope so. Thank you. Okay, good stuff. Joe Pags live with the weekend right around the corner here on KQAM. Until then, stay tuned in to The Voice of Reason at 4 o'clock Monday through Friday. We'll have a best of program next weekend for Thanksgiving, but we'll play some of the great stuff and record some of your favorite Thanksgiving treats. Back at it in a couple weeks here on Candace Talk. Until then, happy Thanksgiving. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.